Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Soulcast Vision. In today's episode, we discuss free lunches and more under socialism. This is a 90-minute discussion, and we invite you to call in at 347-857-1319. So, Ref, yes, yes, we're back in the house here again. Yes, yes, Welcome yes. Welcome again. Definitely. Yes. So glad to be back on a Monday. It's getting to be around daylight saving times. Brother, I, I like that. <laughs> I, I don't know why, but I like to have I like to have some light come through my office while I'm on this show. I don't know. I, I don't I'm know with why. you. I guess, yeah, I'm, I guess things are dark enough, uh, Carl. I know. <laughs> Politically dark enough. I don't want to be, like, talking about this stuff. It's nighttime, man. So you know, mm-hmm. it's good to be able to get some daylight saving time to come back in. But uh, definitely uh, glad to be back. And um, man, I'm telling you, I know we have several topics uh, that we that you know one that you put together, and we're going to get to you know. And uh, want, want our listeners to know that we had just talked about right before the show starts. Um, we're going to do a, a two or three part series on the Communist Manifesto, okay? Because I'm going to tell you something, Carl. Here, here's my litmus test. If you're going to criticize communism or you're going to criticize Russia or criticize Marxism, and if, if I ask you, have you read the Communist Manifesto, and you say no, right, then I just go totally mute on your ass. I don't even listen to you. You know what I'm saying? I know. Uh, you have nothing, nothing to say, Carl. You, you see what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. If you're going to come at me about how bad communism or how bad Marx is, one of the greatest thinkers alive, you know, ever who ever lived. If you're gonna come at me like that and you ain't even read that pan it's a pamphlet. I wanna let people know it's a pamphlet. It's no more than what, fifty pages, sixty pages, Carl? It's made that long. It's a little bit tough reading, but it's not in, it's not impossible if you are if you are, you know, you got you went to high school and you graduated from high school, you're going to college you should be able to read it. But we're going to, what we're going to do is we're going to spend a couple of uh, 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 shows going over the Communist Manifesto. Now, why are we doing that? Well, you know, they, they call for communism now. Dang, I can't listen to them no more. Listen, whether you agree with communism or not, we are in a class struggle. That's right. Right? And if you, if you don't understand that by now, if you're not clear about that, that means you need to go back and re-download all the shows that we've done. Okay. So we tried to make that clear as possible that we are in a class struggle. The bourgeois class, they clear we're in a class struggle. I'm going to tell you that now. They are crystal clear that there is a class divide, and they are protecting their class interests. Believe me, if you want to – I'm reading a book now called, called – uh, Dark Money. I think it's been out for a while mm-hmm. by um, by what's her name? She's journalist Jane May- Mayer. Mayer. She wrote a uh, yeah, James Mayer. She wrote a book on uh, on the Iraq War as well. But listen, when you read Dark Money, talking about the hidden history of the billionaires behind the rise of the radical right, right? When you read you read that, now these people got plenty of money. Now some billionaires. 
They just go up and buy their yacht, buy their five or six, seven, eight mansions across the world, and you will never hear from them. They just, they just make their money, right? But then you got other people, like the people we're going to talk about today, like, for instance, Betsy is a boss and, and, and 45 in the White House. These people are out about class struggle. They're about politically protecting what they think is the free market society, capitalism, and the bourgeois ideology, right? They're all up in the university. They're all up in the think tank. They have, they are about class struggle because basically if I had a, a billion, Carl, I wouldn't be, you know, I wouldn't be talking about, you know, going against anybody. I could be drawing my money. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But if you're a greedy motherfucker, if you're greedy and you want more and more and more money, then what you're going to do is become a, you're going to become a part of the oligarchy, right? Because a billion ain't just enough. You need to want to have several billions. And the only way you're going to get that is you've got to protect your class interest. Now, on the other hand, there's the working class. This is what we've been talking about. The working class, we don't always understand our interests. We think our interest is tied up to bourgeois interest. Wrong. So what we're going to do is talk about this, this book, Comedy Manifesto, because that is the first book that, that, that gave a shot around the world about the, 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 the proletariat and the working class, which most of us are, and I know most of you are listening to this show, a working class, poor, working class, middle class maybe, some students. I know none of y'all ain't no billionaire class because if you were, you wouldn't be listening to this show. So right. you need to be reading that book to, to, to say, well, this is the reason why I agree with it or this is the reason why I don't agree with it. But if you ain't read it, if you haven't read it, I don't know what you can talk about. That's well, right. my professor said it was, my professor said it was, it was uh, not something that we should be uh, reading. You want to see that? Because your professor's been hoodwinked. Because he he's not a working class too. He don't own most professors don't really own nothing, right? So it's like no, we you need to read the book because it really gives you a work. It gives you a consciousness about the class divide in this country that the bourgeois class created. We don't we didn't create it. They created it, right? And so we're going to do that, man. I, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> Same here. Yeah. I think it's um, yeah. It is it's. The coming to Manifesto, on one hand, is um, the most read uh, uh, in, in a sense of a militant working class perspective, uh, 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 agitational pamphlet, uh, somewhere near the is read as much as the Bible, but it's also the most misunderstood, and um, yeah, uh, particularly the right and the and, and the bourgeoisie will will try to hoodwink you. And, and, and thinking that this is what's in the the Communist Manifesto, but it, and you will fall for it if you've never read it. First, you mm-hmm. have to read it, the book, before you say um, when someone interpret it to say whether or not it is true or not. And that's oftentimes right. what happens is that people, you know, they'll say, "Well, the Communist Manifesto said it's going to take all my money." Does nothing in the Communist Manifesto say going to take your money? <laughs> they don't even know you. <laughs> they don't even know you. <laughs> you know, so and, 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 and Carl, Carl, when I when I hear that I hear that I've heard that several times. And that was when the people say that, 
you know, or it's, it's about taking away my freedom. See, when you right. say that, that tells me, that right there tells me, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about, okay? <laughs> you ain't real shit. You know what I'm saying? That's right. So That's right. Either, either I got to decide, am I going to waste my time arguing with you, okay? <laughs> or if you're serious enough, right? Because there's some things you can criticize about, about what he says in there. So if you're serious, you will read that and say, hey, this is the reason why I agree with it. This is what I don't agree with it about. But certainly right. not to have read it, and you in the working class, right, you are, you are working against your own interest because that's the way you should be educated is by doing that. So, so we're not going to keep going on it, but I'm just going to say I'm looking, I've read it in a long time. I, know I've, I think I read it about three or four times back when I was in, uh, in college. And because uh, it was one of the, yeah. the required kind of the reading of our political, uh, uh, you know, development book, uh, book list or what have you. But uh, definitely, definitely we're going to look, we're going to do that. Second thing is I want our subscribers to know I, we have, okay, we only got 21 subscribers. We have a lot of archive listeners, but a lot of you haven't subscribed on blog talk. And I understand, you know, people subscribe to a whole bunch of stuff. But I'm gonna I'm going to invite you again to subscribe on Blog Talk. If you follow follow us on Twitter, you will see a link sometime pop up that goes to Social Vision on Blog Talk. You can go to Blog Talk. You can look up you know the name Social Vision, or you can click you can click on one of the um, you know the episodes. And and above the episodes they have a follow button. All you gotta do is follow it. Now here's what's gonna happen if you follow it. What I'm going to do is I'm going to cut and paste some of the notes that Carl and I, you know, kind of like put together as we're either like before the show or uh, during the show. Um, and I'm going to just cut and paste those and send it. It's not going to be nothing fancy. It's not going to be, you know, the formatting is not going to be all great and everything. But it will at least give you the links and some of the, the books that we talk about and things of that sort. And you'll get that for a subscriber to the show. I mean, I, I can't really – Offer too much more than that but I wish I can offer you some liberation But I, I can't But I can offer you some some, uh, some some information So what I'm going to do Is I'm going to do that And I'm also in, in, today's, in today's show notes I'm going to One of the things I'm going to put in there Is a, a thing by uh, George Lacoste And he, uh, he may have seen it on Twitter But just in case you haven't You're going to get it uh, It's called the Taxonomy of Trump's Tweets it's a, it's a really good little analysis about how Trump is using these tweets. Now, I'm not saying Trump is all that smart in terms of being able, you know, very calculated, but I think that George Lacoste has kind of looked at these tweets, and they have a particular um, use in, in, in the way they're being used. And a lot of it is just, some of it is just about him kind of like testing out the water to see how people, you know, react. To something he says, some of some of it is if it is him, you know, deflecting something. He's trying to deflect people off on something else. But he he's come up with these kind of four, uh, you know, descriptions about Trump's tweets. And I thought they were pretty good, and I'm going to put that in the show notes. But in order for you to get it, you know, for me anyway, in order for you to get it, you need to uh, you know subscribe to the. To, the, to our show Now why subscribe Well it's a, it's a lot of reasons why subscribe Because quite frankly At some point You know we want to have um, 
book companies like Verso Press, you know, left book companies be able to advertise on our show to be able to help us sponsor the show. And if we have a lot of, you know, we have several followers, uh, you know, archive downloads, that kind of thing, that will help in that respect. You know, Carl and I come out of our pockets to pay for the show, and it would really help if we, we could get a little bit of help on that. Because, it, you know, it does, it does uh, you know, build up. You know, it's like 400 and something dollars a year that we pay. So, and I'm not trying to put that kind of thing on your head. I'm just letting you know why we're doing it, okay? And so, you know, so do subscribe to us. You do get, you do get in your email an announcement when the show, uh, you know, comes up. And you also get the show notes. And then the last thing um, I want to say is I want to start trying to open up the chat room in Blog Talk. So if you go on there, you go in the chat room, the chat room you go to our show, there's a chat uh, thing that you can open up right under the episode. So if you're a live listener, and I know we don't get too many live listeners, I know we get more archive listeners, but if you open it up, you can, you know, ask questions in remarks or what have you. So if you happen to be listening to the show and you just a little bit kind of don't really want to call in, here's a way to uh, post up. So I'm going to try to keep it open. I'm going to announce it for several weeks uh, until I find out that nobody's listening live and I won't do it anymore. But anyway, so we're going to do that too. So um, anyway, man, listen, I'm glad we're doing this show today um, about, uh, you know, Betsy DeVos. And and I had uh, I know you you probably heard about it, and I heard a lot of people probably heard about it. What she said, she went to a uh, spoke at a conservative political action conference, and uh, and during the conference, you know, she talked about, hey, you know, I'm a mother, I'm a grandmother, and I'm also one of the first individuals to tell Bernie Sanders that there are no free lunches, right? And uh, I mean, you know, and she was. You know, people like, you know, she was trying to make a joke in front of her conservative, you know, uh, followers and people in the audience, you know, and things of that sort. But it, it, it's not really a joke. And we're going to talk about the fact why it's not really a joke. We know that the free lunch thing, you know, you don't, nobody gets a free lunch. You know, everybody's heard of that. Sometimes it's used as a euphemism. Well, I'm, I'm going to say that is that people should and do get free lunches, and they ought to get free lunches. And we're going to talk about that, and we're going to talk about why socialism should be a free lunch, right? Um, so, but we're going to go and look, talk about a little bit about Bessie DeBoss' background first. Then we're going to talk about this notion of free lunches, which people may not know. The Black Panther Party did uh, had a lunch and breakfast program. I had a breakfast program. I'm not sure they had a lunch program. I know they had a breakfast program. We're going to talk about that too. But let's talk about her background some um, a little bit. Uh, I don't know, Carl, you want to say something before we get more into it? Uh, uh, yeah, there's a couple of things uh, just as an introduction before we dive deep into Betsy DeVos. Betsy DeVos, we're mm-hmm. going to use her as in a typical example of of two worlds. Um, uh, Andrade Roy talks about there's two worlds that exist uh, when she's describing inequality in, in, in India. She described that there is growth that is taking place that uh, everyone is, is, is uh, supposedly receiving some, uh, you know, their standard of livings are moving up. But there are those who, who are rising 
top in, you know, in gold-plated, you know, airplanes to, and flying off to the moon, and while the rest are moving into the swamp. So we're going to describe this notion of free lunch in both of those contexts, um, as mm-hmm. it as it means and what it means to working. Because as as, as Bakari points out, this we center our discussion in the midst of class struggle, not in absence of class struggle, but in the midst of class struggle. So on the one hand, we're going to talk about uh, the historical struggle uh, of free lunch and providing nutritious meals and so forth for, um, uh, you know, the, the, work, the poor, the working class. And then the, the oligarchy, who also practice their own form of free lunch program and how they're qualitatively different and how they're in, 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 in continuous clash. And so um, remember now, we're, please keep your glasses on in the context of this is class struggle, not, uh, well, you know, we're only doing this because this is the best of, the, of, of all world. At some point, this has to be resolved, and that's where socialism enters in. And we're going to speak, we're going to start with these two uh, dichotomy, but we're going to end where how socialism reshaped the notion of what free lunch ought to, uh, ought to look like when the working class is in control. So. You're right. Now, I don't, I just did, uh, you know, I, I just be honest, I just did, a little reading on on uh, Bessie DeVos uh, this morning, and I and I've heard some stuff on the media, but I haven't really done any reading on it. But there's a good article in Politico that you can look up, and I'll also put the link to it in the show notes. <clears throat> but this DeVos came, you know, this this family comes out of I think Detroit, Michigan, or something like that, West Michigan. So that's where they got their sort of like their really the way reason me their empire shit. I mean, you know. They have a lot of influence um, in that part of the, uh, the country, and uh, they come out of a, 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 a multi-billion. They're multi-billionaires, but their, their wealth is, uh, you know, at about the, I think, about nine point five billion. Oh uh, no, I'm sorry, five five billion. Uh, uh, wealth is about five billion or more, which is not as much as you know, say a Michael. I mean, a, 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 the Gates or other people, but. But five billion is a lot of money, right? They get by a lot of fucking lunches. I can tell you that now. Um, and um, they, 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 part of their wealth comes from co-founding the Amway company. Carl, you remember that Amway thing? Because that, that was really popular back in the day. I, don't, I didn't even know it was still around. Um, I, I remember a, a friend of our, my, my wife's, uh, they were trying to sell us some Amway stuff one time. Bought all these products over here and stuff, laid it all over the our kitchen table and shit, and they, you know, we didn't want to buy, buy anything. Some people were almost in tears because we didn't want to buy anything. But uh, anyway, I guess the the the, the eldest, I mean, the I guess her father or grandfather started this Amway in 1959, right? And right. Uh, it grew from a meager uh, soap factory into a multinational, colossal thing of uh, a company. With 9.5 billion in annual sales, and and basically, I think what Anyway was was just kind of, it's almost like a, a, a pyramid scheme because I think what they it had was. to do it, was it, 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 you, it was and it still is. Ahead, yeah, it was and it still is. It's a pyramid scheme. 
um, that um, it's it, what they call a salesman's pyramid scheme. It, it, they were fundamentally selling soap and detergent uh, that they, uh, I don't know if they were, I don't know if they produced it, but they wholesale it uh, their know. way. Um, because I, I know there was, a, I don't know what relationship they had to Procter & Gamble and some of these others, but um, they basically built a, uh, uh, business model based on a, a uh, pyramid scheme, which was, and those working class people who have ever interfaced with Amway folks, was the notion that we get, you know, a, a person sells to immediate family or friend, um, they in turn become, um, you know, uh, sellers themselves, look for other people, so they're constantly looking for people to uh, basically uh, sell for them, and then they take a percentage from all of those people going all the way up to the top. And so the person right. at the top didn't have to do any work. Um, the person at the bottom was constantly in search of new, uh, you know, clients or new folks to sell not only goods, but also to become salesperson themselves, and they can get the percentage of their sales phone. So it was, it was trying to – what the notion was is that people are greedy. And therefore, if people are greedy and want to, you know, get rich quick and greed, you play on their greed to say, you know, if you want to make it, you know, go find your friends and sell it to them and then turn to some of your people. And then that way you don't have to work no more. And then they and then you, you turn them into, you know, associates or whatever associate salesperson and then, you know, and create this huge massive pyramid. And then in the process, the DeVos family uh, created uh, and own lots and lots of capital. So they, you know, they own, mm-hmm. they took their wealth, their $5 billion in wealth, and invested in um, many other uh, industries and corporations that generated wealth for them. So they didn't entirely rely upon income generated from Amway because they had assets, they own stocks and bonds, mutual funds, investments all over the place, as well as homes and things of uh, this nature. They come from a what is in the article described a Calvinist uh, point of view, which was there was a, as Calvinist you're supposed to be, you know, not, you know, uh, Donald Trump type where everything in your house is all gold looking. You're supposed to be a thrift person. You're supposed to amass an enormous amount of wealth, but no one should be able to notice that you're a wealthy person. You don't drive a gold-plated car or, you know, a Mercedes or a Maserati or anything around the neighborhood that everyone knows who you are. Uh, you didn't, you know, fly off in, you know, helicopter. But your life was going to be qualitatively different from the working class. You wasn't going to be among the working class. You wasn't going to live among them. Your schools, your education was supposed to be a Christian Education. It was supposed to be a Christian outlook. It was supposed to be a Calvinist Christian outlook, and that you are never supposed to um, come into contact with the lower sector of the working class or the working class in general. That you're, you're, you need to marry among those who are like you, uh, who have the same values and wealth like you. So you constantly intergenerate, and then within that family, you were to there were strict rules that you have to follow in terms of how you live and how you operate. This was, now, this is not a new phenomenon. This is not new and unique among wealthy people. 
Um, Henry Ford was the, was very much like that, who created the, you know Ford Motors, the the Model T. He he did the very similar kind of lifestyle. He lived that very similar lifestyle, very meager, you know, very wealthy. They could own a lot of stuff, but they wanted to live this you know in, in their mind that you know pre-industrial world and kind of thing. So they had huge amount of wealth. And they used that wealth to reshape the world in their image. And that's in many ways what the DeVos family do. Yeah, and, and, and listen, I want, you, I want you to, I want to, I want to go back and highlight a few things. On, on, this, on this pyramid scheme, understand now, if I understand, if I remember right, people at the bottom, you know, you have to buy, you have to buy certain products. You have to, what the deal is, is if you buy these products at the base, then you have to get out and sell them to get, to, to get your money back and to, to make some profit. So, That's but the right. people at the top of the scheme make, make the most profit. You don't make $9.5 billion in, in, in revenue without cheating people. Understand? Without having cheap products, you got to have cheap products, and you got to, you got to, you got to, and they didn't, they, didn't, they didn't create these products. You know these products came from outside the country, different places, and they got them cheaply, got them cheaply made. Then they have people buy them, and then so you probably you might maybe sell them at the bottom at the wholesale price, and then you you take another price and racket it up to to sell it to somebody else, right? And then that person will buy some and you get them on the scheme, and then they sell it to somebody else. This right here is the notion, people, of the free market, what they call the free market system. Remember, we we told you in, in past shows. That basically the problem with the free market system is that we become enslaved to the free market system. That most of our day in and day out is about buying and selling shit. All of us are doing it. Even even if you're not a a a, 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 a salesperson, right? You're selling your labor. Most of us are selling our labor. So when you go to work, you work for a company or whatever. You're selling your labor. Then some of a lot of us too are trying to produce stuff to sell. So we live in that's the kind of economy that we we spend time doing. We buying and selling shit, and that has becomes a problem under capitalism. It really, really does. And we want to. We've been trying to unpack that and try to break that down. And you see what happens in these kind of pyramid schemes. People get in that scheme. Somebody's going to get cheated. Right, because the wealth is the, ultimately the people at the top are going to make the most money. They don't make nine point five billion dollars and have five billion dollars worth of, of, of wealth just by being nice. Now, like Carl talked about in this article, he talked about how they also set up, you know, foundations. They set up a hospital. They have, I think, the DeVos Hospital or clinic or whatever. They got some schools, or either they got they got uh, money involved in schools. But they created these kind of private schools, and then they also pushed these public schools. I mean, um, I'm sorry, charter schools. These are private charter schools. These are not. These are money taken from money that could be going to public schools and diverted into these charter schools, right? And these are these kind of private charter schools, if you will. They have this religious kind of. Uh, they have this religious background, very religious, where they imbue their religious viewpoint, not only in the schools or, or, or in their politics, but, you know, just in the social society. So that if you're not about their religious points of view, then they don't want nothing to do with you or they attack you. 
So this is the reason why they, they will pour in millions of dollars into the Trump campaign or any kind of, you know, right-wing reactionary campaign. They put this money in there to, to further push their, market, their market-driven ideology that they believe in. And with the debauchery, they go even further. They want to push that, that Christian, uh, that, that, that uh, Calvinistic Christian belief. You know, they talked about uh, one, I think, uh, Richard DeVos wrote a book called Believe. And he said, the real strength of America is this religious tradition. Too many people today are willing to act as if God had nothing whatsoever to do with, you know, the greatness of this country, right? the greatness of this heritage. Well, you know what? People don't, people don't get with it because God didn't have anything to do with this fucking uh, the greatness of this country or the so-called greatness of this country. The greatness of the so-called greatness of this country was built off of the uh, genocide and the uh, colonization of, of Indian people as well as the enslavement of African people, right? I don't want to – if, if there's some God you believe in that you think – was okay with that, then what the fuck do you believe in that kind of God for? I wouldn't. So that, 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 but they push this religious Calvinistic uh, thing on everybody and say that, you know, really what it does is if you're not making enough money, if you're not doing well, right, it's because you don't believe enough. You don't have enough religious belief. And so they want everybody to believe the way they do. Because they think, and, and a lot of them probably really do think this, that if, if, if everybody just believed the way they did, right, everything would be hokey-dory, everything would be cool, everybody would be blessed, right? And this is just utter bullshit, just utter bullshit. And I, and I, I, don't, I have no tolerance for that kind of uh, um, viewpoint because it hurts a lot of people. It hurts a hell of a lot of people because one of the things I've been tweeting on, on our uh, Twitter thing was, you know, we got to stop blaming ourselves and each other for the problems that capitalism causes, right? A lot of times you're not struggling financially because you haven't been, haven't been working hard enough or blah, 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 or because you don't believe in God or whatever. It's because capitalism, right, is a ruthless system that makes it very difficult for people to reach their human potential, and to make the kind of money that they're supposed to make. So I don't, you know, stop blaming yourself for the obstacles that capitalism puts up against you. That doesn't mean that you don't try to work to get to, to transcend those obstacles. People do it every day. But remember that capitalism causes poverty. It, it causes inequality. It causes a lot of dissension amongst people over money. And it causes us to spend most of our fucking time selling shit to each other in order to survive. Half the stuff that we sell to each other don't even, ain't worth nothing. That's the reason why they have to have so many ads to convince you to buy stuff. So this is what this DeVos people came out of. They, they also supported, they gave money to the uh, Christian Freedom Foundation. They always use these, these little neutral words called freedom. Progress. You know, you have to really watch these words and these foundations because these words, they, they, they may sound like very uh, positive, but when you start unpacking them, you know, you start getting behind them, you realize that these, these institutions and these foundations where they, pump, where they pump their money, 
is they have an ideological uh, string to them. And, uh, and, 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 and uh, what's the name's book? Dark Money, uh, Jane Myers' book, really breaks that down. It's like 400-something pages, and she goes all up into it. So this, this, is her, this is their background to who these people are, and they're no different. They're similar to the Trumps, a whole bunch of other billionaires, and some billionaires you will never hear, cause, hear about them because, you know, they don't get involved. They, they let people like the, the bosses and the Trumps and, uh, and other, uh, the, uh, what's that fool that ran last time, the other billionaire that ran, um, you know, eight, uh, four Big years Rom- ago. Uh, yeah, Big it? Romney. Huh? Big yeah, Romney. Romney. Yeah, they let them people get out in front, you know, and let them do it. And they all, they all, they all finance them. And they do that because they're protecting their class interests. What are we doing, see? What are we doing to protect our class interests? What are we doing to uh, get at them so that we can redirect the, 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 way, the way the money is distributed in this country? We, we just redistribute the wealth so that more people will benefit. This is what we're talking about. We're not talking about trying to say, well, poor people, rich people ought to be uh, – be poor too. No, we're not. We're saying that everybody should be able to benefit from the wealth that this country has and this world has. And most of whatever wealth they have along the way was built off of either exploiting resources that belong to everybody. When you're an oil company, that oil, that oil don't belong to the Rockefeller. That oil belongs to everybody. They may come up with the machines or whatever or to, 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 to pull it out the ground, but it's the workers who get it out the ground. And it's that, that, that oil belongs to everybody. So it should not be put in the hands of a few people. But this is what the bosses are trying to do. The bosses want to do is what they want to do here and in, in where they live and, and also across the country is they want to be able to privatize the fuck out of everything so they can make up the rules. So they can make up the This is what privatization and politics is all about. I, I'm not only do I not have enough money, but I want to I want to privatize the shit. I want to privatize schools, hospitals, everything that you need, like a drug dealer. I want to privatize everything so that I can make you do what I think you should be doing. And as, as opposed to if you do it in the government, the government is supposed to be well. We supposed to have input to how money spent. We supposed to have certain protections. As citizens, that's what the purpose of the government is. That's the reason why I push for more of a democratic uh, type of uh, governing than one that's based on private wealth and oligarchy and plutocracy. You you know that clearly the oligarchy uh, is in control of the government now um, because it doesn't require any – experience in terms of understanding how to manage a governmental program. Bessie DeVos Mm -hmm. has never been inside, until recently, a public education system. Her kids have never been inside of a public-funded education system because they're above all that. They they were raised in private, Christian, uh, narrow, education system, uh, divorced from everything else. And what was interesting is that the state of Michigan, uh, for many years, uh, beginning in the 1930s and up until the 1990s, 
have been pretty much a a uh, working class uh, progressive uh, state in the sense that it was because of Detroit and an and auto industry and other industry of unionization. They had strong progressive unions that were up there in Michigan that in many ways influenced the politics of of the kinds of of, of services and the and, and the direction of the, of the state because of the collapse of the unions in the, uh, in the 1980s going into the 1990 and weakening of them uh, because of the rise of the DeVos fam, uh, family uh, and they were not from Detroit I don't think they ever been in Detroit maybe flew over oh. it. Um, they're from the northern part of the state, um, more rural part of the state. And they um, they begin the process of, of recapturing, uh, the first the Republicans to recapture the state uh, through the governorship and, and the state house, but also to begin her, her mission that the public education system needs to be privatized through the Trojan horse of charter, that they were going to push charter as a privatization mechanism. And they they have, and, and they were uh, initially wasn't very successful in the early period of the 90s, but they have been very, very successful in pushing large number of charter schools that are basically privately funded, dysfunctional um, charter schools in the state of Michigan. Uh, Michigan. Uh, so here you are, have the oligarchy, which many of them have never governed anything, um, in charge of government with the sole purpose of not governing or providing for the many, but only providing for the few. Now, in the past, they have done that in a way that they can cover it up. But now they, you know, they, it's much more open and, and, and out there, where you have Betsy DeVos, who's never been an educator, has funded charter schools uh, and asked the question, uh, what's the difference between, you know, uh, performance-based versus uh, proficient-based uh, 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 testing? And she couldn't answer because those are the raging debates that are taking place today. Um, and she couldn't answer, literally, she could not answer many of the questions as it relates to the issue of pu- public education. People have to understand public education is a class struggle issue going back to the Civil War. So when the slaves uh, uh, liberated themselves, the first thing that they wanted during the Reconstruction was publicly funded education for all. The slaveocracy folks and the wealthy folks to an extent in the North did not want to provide public education for all. Um, when they were forced to do it, they made sure they was underfunded for uh, people of color and in, in, in the North um, among immigrants so that they would basically be used for manual labor. They did not want to provide the kind of public education. And the, the uh, public education uh, became a two-track, one for the, the, the poor and working class and the other uh, for uh for the middle class and the wealthy, uh, and they receive all the amenities as it relates to public education. They have realized that they don't need public education anymore since 1954, Brown versus Topeka Board of Education, that they can basically accumulate enough wealth that they can have private schools and basically gut public schools 
in a way that they can provide schooling in the old way where it would be you pay as you go to go to school. And I think this is the direction that she wants to go. Now, the question as it relates to the issue of, of free lunch, you know, we have to understand billionaires get free lunches all the time. It's called tax subsidies. And, yeah. and, and, and in fact, in fact, at least two-thirds of tax subsidies go to corporations. And, um, uh, and, and in fact, the one study that was done um, in 2015 by the Good Job First in 2015, they identified um, like 137 federal programs. And of those 137 federal programs, they found that six parent companies had received $1 billion in federal grants and allocated tax credit. $1 yeah. billion. That's mm-hmm. their free lunch. <laughs> That's right. their free right. lunch. So they already got billions, <laughs> but they still need more. Exactly. <laughs> and, 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 and now, and I want to also, I want to highlight too, and I, uh, Brother Naj is going to come on in, in a second here too. Um, the, uh, I want to highlight too that in the article it says about 80% of Michigan's 300 publicly funded charters are operated by for-profit companies. Now, see, this is where you're making the money, right? Again, they, these vultures always want to figure out how they can make more money, right? Uh, this means that the taxpayer dollars that would otherwise go to traditional public schools are instead used to buy supplies such as textbooks and desks that become private property. When you can privatize shit, you play you own the fucking rules. Do you understand that? See, I know a lot of times it's this. Listen, if you live in an area or live in a community or live in a city or live in a state where the school, the public schools get ran down, they don't put the kind of money into them, yeah, you want your kid out of that school. I, I, I totally get that. I really do. So this is what happens is, is you get these reactionary Republican, uh, mostly, and also Democrats sometimes too, but Republican uh, 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 politicians who allow these schools to get run down so that the private for-profit companies can come in and say, oh, we can do it a lot better. We can do it a hell of a lot better. Well, guess what? When they come in, it ain't all about trying to have a, a really democratic, rich democratic-type schooling, not, not a rich liberal, liberal arts schooling, not a rich not a schooling about critical thinking. It's really about uh, we're going to try to get you ready for a job, okay? Uh, basically, this is what it is, kiddies. You were born. The reason why you were born is this. Your mom and daddy, yeah, they love you and they want you to be born and everything. But basically, what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to get up into school and learn some skills so you can come to work for the, the corporate uh, uh, sector, right? We don't want to really pay your mom and dad get all that training and education. Uh, basically, you need to do that yourself. You need, to, you need to pay for the education. You need to pay for it from K to, K to college. And then, you know, after you do all that paying, you come and work for us so we'll benefit from your education, you see. So we don't have to do any, any real training. So all along all wrong is that not only that, now what we're going to do is, is that we're going to make money by creating these schools and charge your parents so you can go to this school so we can make more money. 
These, these are nothing but vultures. These people are vultures. They, they take away our freedom by tying everything up into fucking privatization of everything. They will privatize the fucking air if they can figure it out. Believe me, they are trying to figure that out. How can we bottle up air so that we can make people pay for good air? You see what I'm saying? They will do that. They are vultures. They are devils. And, I'm, and I use those, those religious turn of terms because I know some people can understand that better, right? Not because I believe in the devil, but because I'm just telling you. So anyway, let me get, let me get Naj up in here real quick. Brother Naj. Hey, good evening, y'all. How y'all doing, man? All right, man. About ready to right. go off, man. Shit. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, I'm glad y'all addressing uh, DeVos and, and, and Michigan and her record and everything else because that's important. And uh, to mm-hmm. piggyback on what Carl was talking about, they wanted to control the, the levers of, of government. So her husband ran for, for governor there and ended mm-hmm. up losing. And in that loss, they figured, okay, well, we need to just start buying things. So basically, she purchased her seat as far as Secretary of Education. Uh, they purchased yep. their influence in the state of Michigan. And the results in Michigan show that this doesn't bear fruit. Uh, you've got underperforming schools uh, that were made promises about how, how, how much gains they were going to make once they became charters. you got situations where public schools had to close because of the you know, lack of enrollment and the way that the, the whole system changed based on the old, you know, the, the Bush regime where they were closing schools based on so-called testing. And here's, here's another thing that people don't get about these charters. They're really selective about who they have. They use really strict rules to get rid of kids who they don't want. And their lottery system, which is a farce anyway, uh, you know, they can bring in a few students and then make an excuse, uh, you're, you're not getting to school on time. Uh, your 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 behavioral problem or or whatever it is, they get rid of the kids they don't want and try to try to you know cherry pick the students they want to raise their test scores. But even in that, they're failing. And here's the other secret: they don't have any special formula or recipe. The teachers that work at these private schools, for the most part, used to work at the public schools. Uh, when I was down here in Georgia, when I was working at the middle school I was at. Uh, we had a huge, uh, you know, just loss of teachers who started to move out to the suburbs to work at some of the charter schools. And some of these were really bad teachers at the public schools. I already knew this. But somehow they were qualified to go work at these so-called extra special schools. So DeVos has left, I mean, chaos all over Michigan. Uh, there are certain charters that don't, uh, that aren't reached by public education. I mean, public transportation. So that already count out some of the poor kids there. And basically what we're seeing is a transfer of wealth. They want to create a system yeah. to where they can shut down as many public schools as they can and then get that federal funding because uh, it's paid by student into their private entity. So basically they want to privatize education to the point that they're pulling federal dollars and making a profit. And once you turn education into a profit motive, uh, you have no reason to educate the, the disabled, uh, the kid who's uh, behind in his studies, uh, the kid who comes from a poor background, or the kid who may not have the test scores that are going to uh, lead to a college, uh, you know, entrance, uh, you know, his senior year. 
and hurt your GPA as far as your senior class. So it, it's a way of structuring things uh, to present the idea that you're creating top-level education, but you're not actually doing that because the outcomes don't show it. And Michigan is a horror show right now when you look across the state uh, from Detroit and elsewhere. And, you know, all of this connects back to, you know, Flint, Michigan as well, when you consider, you know, the water situation to where you had people's water rerouted and they find out one of the members was on the board of a huge water conglomerate. (laughs) And and it, it was in their interest to, you know, try to privatize the Great Lakes region of water. So all of this stuff is in play. And, and what we're seeing is this is like old school, uh, you know, Robert Barron's coming into uh-huh. localities that are hugely deficient in funds and wielding sway that, that shouldn't be allowed and doing things uh, in the public space that, that should nowhere near, uh, you know, public and private should nowhere near be meeting. But not they're not only meeting, they're creating a space to where they're crossing out the public function of it, but still using public dollars. So this DeVos thing, man, this is it, it, it was shocking to oh, see yeah. her actually get, you know, appointed. But mm-hmm. when you look at her record, it, it's amazing that these so-called good reporters from the New York Times and all of these places, all they talked about was her inability to speak or okay. in, her inability to lay out a real educational program. They didn't get into her record, and, and that was a failing on the media's part. And and it's not and I understand your point, and but it's not even just just her period. It's, it's again, it's the ideological milieu that which she comes out of. Because this yeah. is, I was I'm, I'm not amazed by it anymore. I'm not amazed. I've, as I've been reading about these 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 wealthy bourgeois families that go back well before even the Rockefellers, but definitely you know right around that time. And when you start reading about them, you see this has been a, you know a a consistent tradition in this in this bourgeois society. So she's just she's just a product. Their family is just a product of that. There's a whole bunch of other ones. There's you know the Koch family. Same thing. The Koch's. Same thing. They do the same kind of stuff. They funnel money into these foundations. They, they, they hire. They have a huge staff of people that can go out and disrupt, you know, elections, or they can put somebody, put people in office that they want put in there. This is about them protecting their interests, and I'm going to say that a thousand times until everybody gets it in their head. This is what they do. So we don't have to be surprised anymore. Let me talk about well, how do they do that? Well, Bakari, let me let me put it like this. Let me put it like this. It's their ability to propagate. Right, right. But let let me just say this. It's the the ability to propagandize because the way that Mm -hmm. they've made school choice into this soft-sounding thing that sounds like it's for working-class people when it's actually directly against their interests and the way that they have people parroting that. They have a black group and a Hispanic group that's funded by Koch Brothers, Heritage Foundation, all these different think tanks, and they're getting out and telling poor black people, well, you know, the schools are bad. You need to come out here. You need to do something. Not thinking that, well, how about we fund those schools and change the schools that are actually there? Why are we trying to recreate something in a whole other space? And that people right. don't get to those questions because the propaganda comes at them so hard and heavy. What, you don't care about your kids? Because right. that's the insinuation. You know what I mean? Right. Like it's laid right. out. It. it pressurizes them. Yeah. And before you know it, poor people are standing up and shouting about how they want school choice and 
the the public schools have failed and and this is all the democrats fault when you know this is all democrat and republican malfeasance over the decades Thanks. and that group in michigan who got those good jobs at those car factories who made the the classes capitalist choice to move out to the suburbs and deprive the detroit area of any tax base and revenue now they reap what they sow now they reap yeah. what they sow. And, and Dan and, Gilbert, that, the that, owner of the Cleveland Cavaliers, is buying up the whole damn city of Detroit. So it's right. it's billionaires balls everywhere out there. It's crazy. And, and, and Nas, this is what one of my point is, is that we need to be clear that this doesn't start like, like you know, this year. I mean, this stuff has a tradition. And if you start going back and understanding indeed, indeed. that, then you, can, then you, can, you don't get so easily hoodwinked. You know, when they come out there with this kind of stuff about, you know, well, your, your child's not getting the best education they can. You need to go do this, this, and this. And, and I know how easy it is because when you're a parent, you do want the best for your child. But if, but if they, can, they can sell you, they can advertise this stuff, and they can sell you this stuff, and they can take the public sector and let it run down to the point where, you know, it's not, you know, it's not being effective anymore to make you go into this, to this kind of private sector kind of uh, arrangement. And and that's what we have to be really crystal clear about. But we also have to struggle over and this this is the point you guys both of you are making is we have to struggle over the ideological uh, arguments that are raised. This is both ideological and a structural. There's a material base to this ideological struggle. And, and we, and we mm-hmm. speak a lot about the material base in terms of the privatization and, you know, the sorting, how the education system sorts people. But at the end, but in the midst of it is there's an ideological um, debate that was never, that wasn't adequately, I wouldn't say never challenged, but it wasn't adequately challenged as, as the example that Dawes gives about the, the Koch brothers, the, the Walton family, the, uh, to even to agree, uh, Bill Gates family, and all these came into our communities, into the African-American community, and say, look, look, your, school, your schools are all fucked up. They're, doing, they're not helping your kids. And, 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 you know, folks say, yeah, you're right. They, it's all messed up. You know, uh, you know we, you, we need to do something about it. You're right. And I think you should have your own school. You're right. We need to run our own stuff. See, it played right into it. The, court, the, mm-hmm. question never, the question never was, yes, the school is, 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 is really bad. It's not culturally relevant. It's not, it's not adequately funded. But there was never a question of what we're going to do to make public school better. How can we change and transform public school versus go, being tricked? And this is part of that neoliberalism trick that was played on our emotions and, and, and basic instinct, because among African Americans, that's how they have done it. Among white working class, it's like, well, you, you know, if you send your kids in, in the urban school, and, 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 and you know those urban schools, they're not that that good anymore. They, you know, you, you see the test scores, you see what they provide, and, and, and the kids are running amok. If you go to this brand new school in the suburb, and we can make it a charter type, this will work all in the best interest. And so they play to the race part of that dynamic around public education, and so. Part of the discussion that also has to take place is we have to, you know, expose the fundamental uh, nature, the material nature, and the class nature of, of 
of education and what's taking place before our eyes in terms of charter. But we also need to struggle against the ideological trickness that has been played since the 1990s around people supporting charter schools, even though it is not working in the best interest for the vast majority of our kids. Those who do well, those who is, who are, you know, who will excel, and parents have resources and do all this, they will they will excel whether in private, public, or otherwise. But the kids that need the additional resources, support that are traumatized, that are that 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 ha- don't have a meal to eat, that you know uh, uh, their life is 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 in chaos, and and, and because they were born uh, 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 as being a person of color and black, because and, and and not have the nourishment, their parents didn't have the nourishment, so they they need additional resources, support. They are the ones that public education. Are, are 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 the best avenue and support to to help those kids because we have to we have to provide resources and support for those kids and in the process of struggling for those kinds of resources and support to transform education from not simply a sorting machine to a critically conscious challenging uh, 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 really progressive of kinds of public education that could be utilized mm-hmm. to liberate our people and the, and, and, and liberate uh, the working class to move them towards socialism. That is our role. That well, is our function. Well, right. And, and well, I, th- well, I think well, another well, another thing we have to raise well, to, to working people is to understand the graph that's taking place. When you, when you start talking about charters, you're usually talking about a new building. Uh, who gets that construction contract? When you start talking about new uh, a lunch contract for you know, a, a charter school, you're talking about somebody that's getting those catering services. Uh, when you're talking about maintaining the grounds on the school, you're talking about another, uh, you know, another contract to somebody else. So you see these people set this up, and then to those middle-class people who've already uh, thrown everybody else under the bus, they come back and get these contracts and get involved with these one percenters as their workers. So they continue to feed on the people and act as if everyone else is crazy. Uh, you, there's a popular T-shirt in it now uh, up there in Michigan, uh, Detroit is back. So these people right. from the mm-hmm. suburbs who defunded the city are now right. moving back into the city, buying up land for a song and displaying themselves as if there's some type of revitalization and, you know, rebirth. It's like, no, you're the one who burned it down. Now you're coming <laughs> back in to act like you're the savior. It, it, yeah, it's they, they, the audacity, they, man. Let, 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 me, uh, let me pivot to, to, to this notion of free lunch, because we have about uh, 31 minutes left. The, 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 uh, you know, there was an organization called no, no Kid Hungry that estimates there's about uh, 13 million kids in the United States struggle with hunger. And, and, I, and I've, I've, seen, I've seen kids personally who struggle with hunger. And, and if they're not struggling with, struggling with hunger, their families are struggling with not getting nutritious meals at all. So it's about 13 million there. To me, I understand exactly what Carl's saying about, you know, some kids are going to get it. If you got the money, blah, 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 no matter where you go, blah, 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 you're going to get it. Other people are not. The question of it is, to me, and, and I, I totally agree with you on that, but my thing is, th- this is a moral issue here to me. This is a moral issue. When you start, when you are a, 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 a country or a society that says I'm not going to we're not going to give lunches and, 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 and good and meals to children to children 
who have no ability to make money themselves, who didn't ask to fucking get born in the first place, and when, when they're coming to the world and you say, we're, we're going to make you pay for a lunch, we're going to make you feel ashamed if you have to get a free lunch, right? That, that kind of society has no promise. It, it, is a, it is a society to me that is dysfunctional, that is falling, because that means that your value and your morality is certainly skewed in the wrong place. I shouldn't have to, we shouldn't have to have some huge-ass debate about whether some kids should get a free fucking lunch in one of the empty wealthiest countries in the world. The fact that do we have to have this debate, the fact that do we have somebody in, 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 at the top heads of office who, who, who was fighting against, who thinks that kids don't deserve a free lunch or, or, or a subsidized lunch, that to me is a serious problem, and we need to look in the fucking the mirror and say what kind of society have we built here? What kind of society have we built here? I've, I've, heard, I've, I've heard many a story where a kid will come up into a, a, they have the money to get a lunch, and they were denied a lunch, or they were shamed because they didn't have the money to get a lunch, or the, or the teachers had to, or even the, the people that are administering the food had to come out of their pocket to pay for some kid's lunch. I've seen people that, you know, that maybe have a little bit of money to go out and buy kids' lunch. This is inexcusable. This is inexcusable. Now, according to uh, this article, back in 1946, President Truman uh, apparently signed the National School Lunch Act, which uh, established this uh, national school program in order to provide um, uh, meals to low-income children, right? So I, I didn't know that, that he did that, but I do know, I did know that the Black Panther Party uh, started a program, a breakfast program back in the 60s, and I think it got, uh, it, it spread to about 28 different states, and and it, it like, it shocked uh, and it shook the the FBI and, 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 the, and, and the administration back then, because here you got a, a, a revolutionary party that's advocating socialism was not only advocating it, but was acting on it by building a, a, a breakfast program for, uh, for kids in the community. That's a dangerous thing for, for the establishment. That's a dangerous thing because not only are they talking socialism, but they're trying to put it into practice. So they had to deal with that shit <laughs> quick. Do you understand what I'm saying? Quick. But the thing yeah. of it is, is listen, it's, it's, it's sad that you we live in this fucking country that we have to debate this and that this is an issue. Now, somebody said that the, uh, the feed, this, you know, the, the feed, uh, the, you know, just have this national lunch program or whatever, cost like, they say $11 billion. Well, how in the fuck is $11 billion? Well, it goes back to what Nas just talked about because contracts are made, Right. So if you say, well, goddamn, we got a whole bunch of kids that need to be fed, you know, and I'm, if I'm going to be a parent or if I'm going to be a drug dealer, I need to raise the price of the food to get it to them and make the state pay for it. Shit, that's what I would do. If I were a drug dealer and I'm going to, like, I got access to the food, I'm going to raise the price. I'm not a drug dealer, so I ain't going to do that shit. But that's what happens. <laughs> How is it that this costs this much money? How is it 
said it costs $11 billion to feed kids' lunches. In this and the lunches they're getting ain't all that high. They're not that good. Yeah. Yeah, and and, and right. another part of that, another part of that too, Bakari. When you think about that figure, that also lets you know how many people qualify for it because of the economic threshold exactly. that their parents are not reaching. Which Thank goes you. again, this this is one of those situations where the holes of capitalism show. Uh, they're forced to adopt some form of socialism in order to cover it up, but not too much socialism because they don't want you getting any ideas. So it's like the Panther Party came up with that breakfast program. Uh, Hoover, mm-hmm. you know, was afraid of it. That said, it was you know one of the most dangerous things that could be come up with, and Reagan had to adopt it in California because how much you know how many people were struggling and needed those services. Aramark mm-hmm. uh, and, and some of these other food companies, you know, they're they're making a killing by doing this. You get those contracts, and you know that's locked in. That's better than any advertising, selling, or any other type of. You know, uh, competitive capitalism you can get into. Government contracts, right. you know children are going to be born, you know people are going to be poor, they're going to need it. And then there's the shaming tactic of uh, this was the, the, their their way of being humane. They came up with the, the paper bag sack of peanut butter and jelly. So you get a, a right. paper bag sack of peanut butter and jelly, crackers, and, and, a, and a, you know, a little carton of milk if you couldn't afford lunch that day. So those situations you were talking about where somebody intervenes and buys their lunch, when that doesn't happen and somebody doesn't have it, they'll give them that sack lunch. And then now that kid walks to the table with everybody else with their trays of lunch and he has his paper sack with peanut butter and jelly. So the shaming tactic of those impoverished that, you know, always in play, always. Mm -hmm. And, and, and And under the Obama administration, I understand that, that they were trying to do it where there's some schools where they would try to get rid, get rid of that so all the kids, whether you were, you know, needed it or not, you just get the lunch, you know, so you're going to be all ashamed. They want to – now the Trump administration wants to undo that, right? right. Because, see, right. This, this, this is the idea behind this. What they think is this, – this is the thing they think. If we can make poor people work hard and not, they, don't, they, don't, they don't get a free lunch, they will work harder and they will do more. You see what I'm saying? But that's, that's, what they, that's what they'll tell you. You know, we're only just doing this for the benefit of humanity. We want humanity to work hard and, and not, not sit back and expect anything for free. That's bullshit. Because we know that any given fucking time, 80% of the fucking country work. They work. But they're not making enough money. They live paycheck to paycheck. Right? And you don't have enough money to go buy a free lunch but somebody ups the price for a lunch and, and still feeds your kids bullshit. You know what I'm saying? So it's not just about the thing of it's going to teach people to, to, to work harder. No. What it is is they want to rip, to uh, reap more and more profit, a profit and be able to, to, to be able to hold the, the, the uh, be able to sell this stuff to our schools. If you, if you are providing the lunch to the schools, right, you don't have to run no advertising program on TV. You ain't got to do that because you know kids got to be fed. So that's the best investment you can make in a company that's going to say, I'm going to provide this, uh, this nasty-ass food for kids and charge them money for it. That's the best investment. That's the best business you can be in. You ain't got to go advertise. You will always get the money from the government, blah, blah, blah. So they are the ones who are benefiting, not, not us. Go ahead, Carl. Yeah, yeah, I think the other thing is that this, there's two parts uh, as well to the question of, of free lunch, as, as you describe it. Truman signed it. But um, one of the things, um, it was only 
made available in in northern parts and the east um, in terms of free mm. lunch because it was never adequately funded. In fact, it really wasn't, as I recall as a kid, I don't even recall there was a free lunch until after I left elementary school. And so it it was largely due to the pressure of the Black Panther Party bringing the free breakfast program online at that time. And then all of a sudden they changed the um, who can receive free lunch uh, and made it much more widely available. And... Um, because in the South it, there was no free free lunch program, um, and in, in in the uh, area where predominantly uh, people of color live, uh, working class people of color, they did not provide it, and they did it by two ways. One was um, they made sure there was no uh, kitchen, so if you didn't have a kitchen in your in your school, um, you weren't getting a you know hot lunch. So mm-hmm. I remember one school where we didn't have a kitchen. And so everybody, because it was predominantly, even though the school changed from predominantly white to predominantly black and Latino, um, all, all the white students went to, to the school that had a kitchen in their, in their, in their um, elementary school uh, to provide that. But under socialism, this wouldn't even be a debate. This wouldn't even Thank be you. up for discussion. Thank you. This would be a Thank right. You. This would be a human right a human that right. all children should have breakfast, not a free breakfast, breakfast and mm-hmm. lunch provided at the school. That if that is exactly. part of what it means to have a quality education. And there wouldn't be a distinction as to whether or not you receive free or reduced lunch. Because even now, there are parents who are working parents who, you know, are struggling to keep, you know, pay the rent and, uh, pay, you know, pay their uh, car insurance and their car, you know, car notes and things like that, that they don't have enough to pay even for the, the reduced lunch. And they get behind and their kids are shamed um, and, and told that, you know, all you can get is a carton of milk and go sit down. So... Under Thank socialism, wow. that would wow. not happen because that is what is the responsibility of a society is to is to protect, to uh, provide uh, a culturally rich and and socially environmentally positive environment for the highest quality of of, of education of learning as possible, so they can learn and and, and excel in many different fashions. It is only under capitalism when it becomes a question of whether or not you should have that right. um, That it is only for those who are wealthy should have the right to have good quality and rich food, uh, whether breakfast or lunch or even dinner. It is only the rich because you are wealthy and you are ordained with the Calvinistic notion that you're ordained to do God's work and enter into heaven, that that you will receive all these things. Under socialism, it is a basic human fundamental right that is cannot be challenged under any circumstances. So it wouldn't be a struggle over funding. It wouldn't be a struggle over power no. politics. You can't pimp off of it. You can't use it to make money off of it. It is basically a, a need, what we call social need. People say, well, well, that's a lot of money. Well, first of all, there's a lot of people ripping off the the, the, the you know, the education system. Um, there's That's a right. book 
um, called, I think it's called um, uh, the, uh, the uh, Political Economy of Education. It talks about new work education. And it talks about all these people ripping off, you know, the public education in Newark. And and then they turn around, and the same people who are ripping it off are the same ones that said those are the reason why the schools are so bad. Because they're, you know, uh, getting the contract for food, they're getting the contract for transportation, they're getting the contract, you know, uh, uh, for uh, repairs and maintenance. I mean, all of them are ripping off public education because to them it's just a, a money-making, commoditized system. And so what happens is, is that under a socialist society, you cannot provide services for profit. You must provide it for the needs of those children. That they have to, that these are things that they must have to 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 um, to grow, to develop, to uh, be intellectually challenged. Um, and for those who attempt, and I this, this is part I have to agree with Mousy Tongue on, those who attempt to take advantage of the social system to make a money in, uh, in those days you were shot uh, because that's a criminal offense yeah uh, uh, you know in, in America you can be executed or thrown in jail for stealing a loaf of bread but if you could you know steal all you know billions from bank you you get to you know get your a golden parachute and go live in France well exactly. in a social society it would be the reverse if you rip off that many people, you were basically sent up for criminal charges, and most likely we would have to be dealt with you harshly um, because you don't you don't take advantage of kids, you don't take advantage of children, and it's a qualitatively different way. And and the, and the other and the, so that's one piece. The other piece is the wealth that we create, the billions and trillions of dollars that these billionaires create. We return and reallocate it for the the needs of the many and not for the few. There wouldn't be no Donald Trump flying from, you know, Mar-a-Lago to the White House and spending, I guess they say, $3 million, you know, a day uh, to go from one place to another. That wouldn't happen. That just wouldn't That's be right. in our realm. That money, $3 million a day, you can imagine what kind of quality education that we can provide for millions of our children, and as well as not our own children, for children around the world. So I, I, it's, it's a different way of looking at the question of education, um, and, and that it, it, is, it, is, it, is, it has happened. Cuba does it. Little old puny little island that don't have billions and trillions provide free education with you know, with lunch and, and breakfast, uh, arts and music and all that. Why is a puny exactly. little island can do it? And we're far larger than that, and we create far more wealth than that. And we up here d- debating the issue as to whether or not it's even a legitimate question. That tells you something. That tells you the, the immoral uh, corrosiveness, corruption of, of a way we think about this stuff today. No, that's that's true. They, they, and, uh, there's a movie, uh, you know, Michael Moore's movie, uh, one documentary called "Where to Invade Next," and I remember seeing that on uh, Amazon or whatever. And and, and what, what he does is he goes to other countries and talk about you know how things are different in other countries, because you know America's you know the, the the whole kind of thing was America's the greatest thing on earth, blah blah blah. And there's so, so much bullshit. So you go, he went to other countries to show, like I think he went to France or one of these Scandinavian countries and went into some of the schools and talk about how these kids get gourmet meals 
right? And they teach kids how to how to cook meals as well. Um, I know when I was growing up, I mean, our food wasn't the best, but I mean, we did have a kitchen. There, there was a food kitchen in the school. Uh, my my son goes to a school where there is no kitchen. They 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 like uh, Nas talked about. They they contract out to somebody who, who brings in these little so-called uh, I don't know what they call them, sloppy joes or or burritos or whatever. You know, shit, he always complained about it's nasty. Um, I try to get him to take you know take food to school. Um, you know, like leftover food that we have. You know, from dinner or whatever. But a lot of kids don't want to. You know, they don't they don't get organized to do. They don't want to do that. But the fact of it is, we could afford to have a kitchen in every school. We could afford to hire uh, people to work in those kitchens. There's enough wealth to do that. Bessie DeVos family alone could solve that problem if they stop spending their money trying to put people in the office to push their, their God ideology and bullshit. If they were to stop spending that money and put it into, they could feed every every kid in Michigan without a problem and with money still left over for their little greedy ass. Right? But this but no, they can't do that because again, what they want people to do is to do what they want people to do. That's the reason why they go through all this all this stuff. They spend all this money and go through all this mess, right, to control people's lives. Now they ain't nothing about no fucking freedom. They ain't nothing about no freedom. These people got enough money, they ain't got to be bothered with nobody, really. They got, they got plenty of money, but they do it because they want to control your life. They want you enslaved to the free market system, and then you cannot be enslaved to the free market system if you're well-educated, um, if you got a, if you're getting lunch and food, and you ain't got to be dependent upon their assets. They want you dependent upon them. That's what, free, that's what the privatization of everything means. We want the working class, we want the masses to depend upon us, not the government that they elect, but us. We don't want you to have no real say-so about how money is spent. We get to spend it the way we want to spend it, and either you get with the program or you don't get a lunch. That's what it is. And this is a moral disgrace. And we have to start raising these serious questions about why in the fuck did my kids my, when our kids go to school, they don't have a, 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 um, a, you know, a, a, a cafeteria, a real cafeteria where they cook food right there in the place. We need to be asking that fucking question. But you can't ask that question if you're spending most of your time sitting in front of TV watching bullshit. You can't ask those questions. You can't ask that question if you think, well, you know, Bakari, well, you know, the voting thing, it's, it's just rigged anyway. Yeah, it's rigged because your ass don't vote and don't get involved and you don't protest. That's how it's rigged, right? That's how it's rigged. I agree with you that it's rigged. But the fact that if you don't get involved on some level, do it to protest, going to these student, uh, these uh, school council meetings, going and getting out in the street, any, any number of ways, right? Because they, they understand if you got involved, if you got organized, if we got organized and got involved, Right? They understand that we could turn this shit around. That's the reason why they funnel their money into it. Because they know that it don't it don't take a lot if we just get organized. It don't take a lot, man. It don't really don't. So don't sit up here with this excuse about, well, you know, I ain't gonna do shit because you no, know, you know it's rigged. That's the bullshit of the excuse. I don't wanna hear that no more. I don't wanna hear that. Because if you know it's rigged, then what are you doing to, to fight that rigged that rigged political system? What are you doing? And the least you can fucking do is go vote. I mean, you should do more than that. 
But that's the bottom the least you could do. Go ahead, Nas. Yeah, and and the idea that you know things are rigged. Okay, then are you exposing it? Are you showing where the problems are? Hey, are yo. you making it more hey, difficult yo. for uh, for them to pull off the things that they do? Because bringing right. the light to this is what makes it really, really hard. And a little organization, a little protesting is what actually makes them make concessions. So even before we even get into overturning this whole system, even forcing right. them to the table and forcing them to make concessions can change people's lives at least a little bit for the better. We're, we're at the moment in the midst of a class war and a race war, meaning uh, there's billionaires yeah. who fight amongst each other, but they all agree on they're against everybody else. Uh, race war right. meaning all non-white people are dealing with difficult circumstances and a different, you know, different idea of what the country is and what you can have access to. And and the biggest problem we have going on right now is not only a lack of consciousness, but it's the ability to tap out and decide you don't want to be in the fight and you don't want to be informed because at that point you have to do something. Uh, one of the most staggering things I read this past week was one third of American bandwidth is used on Netflix. One third to in, devoted to entertainment. So you think about how much people are tapping out and searching for some way to escape between work, feeding their children and going to sleep. And, and the idea that people are sitting in their beds on their tablets and phones and watching Netflix to that extent, one third of U.S. bandwidth uh, used on Netflix. They're, I think they said they have over 40 million subscribers so we're talking in the area of, of you know, two fifty to three hundred million dollars a month. Netflix is raking in, and this goes to another problem uh, capitalism is having too. The the huge scales and, and gatekeepers of industry are having problems because technology is undercutting these systems that they've crafted and been able to you know hold as monopolies. So now you see Hollywood and some of these other entertainment industries being cut by you know these. these industries that are a little more lightweight and have cut out some of the middlemen. And of course, this is going to lead to people losing jobs and technology doesn't care. The people in those industries, venture capitalists, they don't care. They don't care how many people they throw out of work. As long as they come up with a new tech that people will be willing to buy to entertain themselves, to tap out from the class war and the race war that is, you know, being waged upon them. Uh, American ideology is really lacking, and, and people are going to have to make a commitment to be more aware and be more active. Uh, I mean, it's just simple as that, because this class war will not be stopped by the, by them. They're going to keep pushing you no. as long and hard as they can. That's true. Right. Exactly. It's like you you got to stay woke. You got to stay woke, and that's a I love that term, stay woke, because if, if you're not doing that. Then you're much as well. I'm not saying you're as much as a part of the problem, but you are a part of the problem, and you're enabling it by not being conscious about what's going on. You got to stay woke. You really got to do that. You got to you got to change the conversation when you have these conversations amongst your your peers, amongst your your coworkers, amongst your family, right? You got to come with a a a a a, a, a progressive analysis. And that's, what, that's what we try to do on this show. We try to give you. Or we try to engage in an, uh, uh, an analysis of what's going on, not just from a people, just from the individuals, like they're the boss or the or 45 in the White House or whatever. That's important to focus on them, but to put it into an ideological context. See, because when you understand the ideological context, 
then you can use that as a lens to view everything that goes on. You can view that as a lens. When we get ready to unpack Communist Manifesto, that little pamphlet that everybody, that your school tells you that, you, you know, that that's, don't, don't be reading that, don't read that mess, that's, you know, Karl Marx wouldn't about anything. They tell you that for a reason, because they don't want you to be conscious. That's one of the first books, or one of the first pieces of things that I read that made me conscious. Little uh, Truman Miles, little red book, and there's little quotes he had in there. That, just reading that stuff made me think about things in a way that I never thought about it. It opened my eyes, right, to a lot of things. And so that's the reason why I read, we said, we're going to take a couple of, of shows and go through the common manifesto in hopes that you will read it yourself, not just listen to us, all right? Because we just want, we just two or three people. What we're saying is we want you to read it for yourself because you're going to find stuff in there that we didn't even talk about. You're going to do that, particularly if you're young. Young people need to definitely be involved in this. Young people out there, let me tell you something, seriously. You are an opportunity to rise up. You have a grand opportunity to rise up. There is more information available to you well beyond fucking Netflix. All right? Nothing wrong with looking at a movie. I know sometimes you work, go to school, and you just want to get on a Friday night, and you just want to get in front of you with your boo-boo or whoever you're with and do your Netflix. I understand that. It's Netflix night. I get that. Or come Saturday or come Sunday, your ass is going to get into some conscious building. You're going to do, you're going to read something, you're going to go to an event, you're going to go to a meeting, you're going to do something that's going to raise your level of consciousness. Man, I, try, you know what, Nas and Carl, man, I, it's like what I don't like, what, what makes me like living is probably like every fucking, almost every week I learn something new. Every week. And then doing this show, just even doing this show makes me go learn something. I know some like I know some people, when I ask them, I say, what new have you learned in the last five years? They can't tell me. They can't tell me one new thing that they have learned in the last five years because they ain't engaging in learning. So, you know, you got to stay walking, learn this stuff, and then put it into action. Put it into action. Don't, don't be no professor, you know, you're just going to go read all these books and all these papers, but then you don't do nothing with it but sit up there in an ivory tower. No. You put this stuff into action, and you can do it on all kinds of levels. You know what I mean? You, don't, you, don't, you know, we, we want you to be in a revolutionary organization. But we know that t- certain set level of consciousness to get to that point. What you can do is change the conversation in your family, in your, in your peers, in your coworkers. Go ahead, uh, Carl. We've got about three, three minutes left. Yeah, I, I think all of that is um, really important. One is um, kind of like to summarize that um, we also need to think in terms of being a part of organization. That's number one. Number two, we, we want to make sure that everyone read. But most importantly, if you get a chance, read the Communist Manifesto. That's not the only book. I, I don't recommend the Little Red book, but um, but if you like poetry, uh, you can read the Little Red book. Um <laughs> uh, but you know there are some people who like poetry, and that's. But I no, can this, recommend this other. This wasn't poetry. This was a. This was a book of his quotes, Carl. Right. Uh, but, book of his quotes. Right. But I, what happened was in the sixties, people took the quotes to me, and really didn't read the whole material, oh, the whole statement well, in, in the context yeah. of what it, it was written on. So yeah. that's the danger yeah. of quotes. 
and and yeah, the sixties was notorious point. of quoting but never really knowing the substance of the material. That's why we want you to read the whole the whole thing. Um yeah. and then also just um we need to be uh, engaged in the ideological struggle as both ideologically but also on the ground to to to, to organize in the street, to continue the protest, to continue to the petition, to, to continue to, to struggle uh, for progressive and in uh, uh, with a with a north star vision of socialism. Keep that in your focus when you're engaged in the struggle wherever you are at. The work you do has to be aligned and focus on the ultimate goal. It may not be, it may not occur in your lifetime, but you need to be a part of that motion of change, that movement for change that is taking place today. And today we talk about Bessie DeVos. At some point we're going to have to talk about what we do to fight her and struggle against uh, that. But those are some of the things that we have that I want to talk about going. Exactly. Definitely. Well, well, we we you know always comes so quickly, but we're at the end. I want to. Encourage people to follow us on Blog Talk. You go to Blog Talk, push that follow button. All you got to do is just give up your Facebook uh, number or whatever, or Facebook registration or whatever you want to use, email or whatever. So you can follow us on there. Also follow us up on iTunes. We have it there. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave a comment. And you can follow us as well on the um, – the, uh, follow us on, on Twitter – that's Socialist 45, Socialist Visions. You can follow us there. We really appreciate the comments, and I really appreciate the people who engage with me on Twitter. Love talking to you. Love exchanging. So thank you so much for that. Really appreciate it. All right? You guys, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Good night, y'all. All right, brother. Take care.